Hello and welcome to The Reit Report. I'm your host, Sarah Borks and Keto. I'm pleased to be speaking today with Uma Paterkane about the latest ESG news and themes impacting the REIT industry. Uma is a senior investment strategy analyst and global ESG lead for Center Square Investment Management, which is based in the Philadelphia area. Uma, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So last week, the SEC issued proposed rules to enhance and standardize climate-related disclosures for investors. What impact are you anticipating that these new regulatory requirements could have on REITs and how they report? Yeah, this is that's a great question. And, you know, this is one of the first big steps that we've seen from the SEC as it relates to looking at climate-related disclosures, which are becoming so much more topical for investors. And this is just the first step in terms of finding the right balance of what's required from a regulatory perspective. Um, it's a lot more robust than I had initially anticipated that that level of initial disclosures to be, given it does step into kind of scope one, scope three, scope uh, emissions. And it, it requires REITs to be able to get a lot of that data at the property level. There are a lot of REITs that are leaders in the space that have been doing that for a long time. Those that have already committed to, for example, science-based targets, they they really will be kind of just status quo for them, right? Because they're already set up for a lot of this. But for REITs that have been lagging as it relates to collecting data from a climate-related perspective at the property level, it's going to take a lot of a lot of work for them to get to what the SEC might require from a disclosure perspective. Great. Now, I also wanted to ask you about how Center Square's ESG assessment methods have evolved in recent years and how the attention that you give to S issues now compares with your focus on the E and the G. Sure. So we've been looking at ESG for a long time here at Center Square. And over over the years, our process has become a lot more quantitative in nature. And so a lot of what we're looking for is data-driven. The S piece of our ESG assessment has, it it accounts for 20% of our overall ESG scores that we maintain in-house. And over the years, you know, we've seen the focus on S really evolve and, and been really in the spotlight in the last two, two and a half years, driven by a lot of things that we've seen happen in, in this country. Right. So as it relates to the pandemic, as it relates to the Black Lives Matter movement, as it relates to what we're seeing today in this great resignation, all of those things are really, really coming to to matter today. It's been something we've been tracking for a long time, but it's been really interesting to see the spotlight that has been shining on the social aspects of ESG in the last two years. And what correlation are you seeing between re-performance and employee satisfaction and engagement? So what's interesting is that REITs of course, in addition to the real estate that they're managing, are made up of these really fantastic operating acquisition development platforms. And those platforms are built of people. And so that hiring and retaining that top talent is really important, especially like I mentioned, in the context of what we're seeing in this great resignation. We actually looked at this data going back over 10 years and found that companies with higher employee satisfaction rates tend to outperform over the long term. And that's been something that we've been looking at and it has been really interesting to kind of assess from the perspective of, of REITs and equities overall. But we did find in, in the U.S. that companies with higher satisfaction levels do outperform over the long term. And do you think the business case for increased diversity is well understood at this point? And are REITs really doing enough to share this data with their investors? 
So the business case is, is understood, right? Um, it's something that has been researched and reported upon for, for a long time now. And that strategic and competitive advantage by having a more diverse workforce and more diverse leadership is not really a new concept these days. But we are seeing still a lack of information. And like I mentioned, our process from assessing ESG is very much so data-driven. And we still see a lack of data as it relates to really truly understanding the diversity, equity, and inclusion practices and policies that are happening in REITs. Some companies do a really fantastic job of gathering and disclosing that data. Other companies give you close to nothing as it relates to that data. And that's first where we're looking at not only just the makeup of the workforce, but we are looking at the makeup of the workforce, of management, of executives, of the board. And once we understand that makeup, we're also looking at any sort of pay gaps that exist across those same levels and making sure that that economic equity exists for everyone within that firm. And if that's not the case, you know, what are the types of policies that the companies have in place today to help improve upon those metrics? So whether that is, you know, they are expanding their hiring policies to include, you know, a wider berth of candidates, whether they are creating any sort of unconscious bias training to make sure that promotions are happening on, in an unbiased way. There are a lot of different things that REITs can do to implement policies and procedures to help bridge the gap there. Um, and it takes time. It takes time for that to really work through the system. But we're really focused on making sure that REITs understand the importance of this, understand that it needs to be measured, it needs to be managed, and it needs to be something that's communicated externally with stakeholders. And would you say that REITs have a clearly articulated strategy on health and wellness? And how important is this to employee retention and ultimately REIT performance? You know, we've had a lot of focus in the public markets in terms of that relationship between the built environment and environmental health. And in the last two years, there has been this new focus on the impact of the built environment on human health. Right. The Americans on average spend about 90% of their time indoors and the focus of, you know, health and wellness inside a space has been even further highlighted because of the pandemic where the transmission of COVID was almost 19 times higher in indoor environments than outdoor environments. And so when you think about the context of the pandemic and how that's shifted the way that we utilize indoor spaces, the focus that it has put on indoor spaces, we've seen this renewed focus on health and wellness associated with that built environment. And so we today, very few REITs have a true strategy as it relates to understanding the health and wellness of their buildings. Very few REITs have well or fit well certified spaces. But we are seeing an increased focus on that. So that will likely be an area where we see a further development as it relates to policies that REITs can put into place to help their tenants and also other stakeholders understand the impact of their buildings and their spaces on human health and well-being. Um, the increased focus on indoor air quality, quality outdoor spaces, all of these types of things will slowly start to filter into how REITs think about their spaces and how it attracts tenants. And finally, Uma, what are some possible future ESG trends that you think Center Square will be paying attention to? 
a few different things, right? So we started talking about regulatory. That was kind of the first topic of conversation. And that's going to be a, a big piece of the puzzle going forward. Understanding the data collection requirements and the data verification requirements as it relates to having better disclosures from an ESG perspective, especially as it relates to climate change and how companies are tracking as it relates to the Paris Agreement, as it relates to a net zero transition. How all of that is being managed and measured is going to be extremely important. And then the other piece, which I just highlighted, was really the relationship between the built environment and human health. We've seen that becoming much more important. A recent study from the MIT Real Estate Innovation Lab actually that analyzed the impact of healthy spaces on office rents showed that certified healthy buildings actually were creating a premium rent of anywhere between 44 to 7.7% per square foot. And so we're starting to see the impact of some of these things actually trickle down into very material financial impacts for these companies. And so we're going to start to see a lot more focus on that relationship between the built environment and human health. And so those are some of the things that we've been looking at in a lot more focus here at Center Square. Uma, many thanks again for joining the podcast. Of course, thanks for having me. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. 